Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been uh, it's been a week since I talked to you, or it has. two weeks. Yeah, yeah, because you're lazy and unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> you cancel on me, mm-hmm. and then I see you on like five other podcasts. Listen, man. Um, sometimes they come in waves, and uh, it just so happened last week on our recording day, I had. I had intentionally done this to myself because I was trying to optimize my schedule and cluster things together. And so I had scheduled, I think, three other recordings on that day. And I was like, oof, this is going to be a brutal day. And I'm kind of glad that I did cancel our recording because uh, by the end of that day, I was like, I was completely wrung out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You were on yeah. some big name podcasts. So I was yeah did an indie hackers recording and recorded with Dan Andrews from Tropical MBA, which was kind of surreal because that was one of the first podcasts I started listening to in our space I think and like back in the early days when like Rob was just he was like sub episode one hundred on Starters for the rest of us and I was just kind of getting into getting into this whole software world. Dan Andrews and, and Ian were putting out podcasts when mm. the OGs. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was fun. They're they're the folks behind Dynamite Jobs, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Because I just I just uh, hired a, a recruiter through them. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So that's that's cool. Did you miss me at least? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And can't wait to hear what I've what I've missed out on the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Spencer's in town. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. So Spencer has bought a house up in Maine, and so he's spent much of his summer there so far. But he's down in Boston for the week. Uh, and it's been awesome because now we even have an office. Ah. Um, so we've been like hanging out in the office and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like the old days. Mm-hmm. And that's been super fun for me. That's fun. I love that. Mm-hmm. But the best part about it, not really, but a great part about it is like when we go to lunch, we can use the company card because all three of us are there and it's a legit business expense. There you go. Unlimited Probably. sushi on Tuple. I think. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sushi. We're sushi profitable. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Like and we also so we rented this room in the co-working space and the office next door is like noticeably bigger and nicer and we're like oh man it's too bad we should have rented that one like that would have been cool someone told me oh it's not available someone else is moving in at the end of the month i was like ah oh, damn and then i just asked again they're like oh actually no we were on this one's available Ooh. so not uh three weeks after moving in we are uh moving on up <laughs> very nice it's, the corner it's literally the corner office <laughs> that's funny yeah nice so you get light on two sides and it like kind of wraps around the edge of the building overlooking the street so we have pretty yeah. pretty sweet digs nice yeah i'm still i'm still eyeing a co-working space in my neighborhood i'm frequenting the coffee shop below it and uh <laughs> thinking about getting a kind of dedicated space up there too mm-hmm. nice yeah careful with that caffeine access i know i know I'm up to like three cups. I'm I'm kind of averaging three cups a day right now, which kind of just feels feels right. But also, I need to be careful not to uh, not to push it too hard. I think and <laughs> start disrupting my sleep. Totally. Yeah. 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 How do you feel like your uh, appearances went? Good. Yeah. I having done this podcast for a while with you now, I feel um, decently comfortable on the mic. But it's always it's always fun to do like a an interview where. It's like I know it's an, a fresh audience that well probably has some overlap with with my existing audience, but also people who kind of don't don't know some of my my stories that I've told a bunch here, like talking about the level story and kind of lessons learned from that. 
it's been fun because like I don't often get to talk about that nowadays because I kind of talked it to death on this podcast, you know, and so getting to getting to like dig into some of those older stories and like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did kind of I had some some trials back in, in my in my journey leading up to this point. And it's kind of fun to be able to dig into that because I hate being like having a podcast appearance where I only talk about like all the amazing things that are happening. Just I, I never leave feeling great from those types of interviews because that's not a reflection of reality. And I don't want to, I don't want to make people like project that image that like, you know, everything's always rosy all the time. It's been fun. Like it's been a rewarding, a gift that keeps on giving, I guess you could say, um, from being able to kind of talk about like, yeah, this hasn't been a linear path to where we're at and kind of tell some of those older stories. That's great. I love being a guest on podcasts. Because for this, like, I have to think about what I'm going to say. And I feel like we're, we're co-hosting it, right? So I'm like responsible for this. Whereas I can kind of let another host just like decide on, yeah, they ask the questions and I'm just riffing and it's, it's man, I find it, I find it very fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Especially when it's like, you know, talking to Cortland, talking to Dan, both are like seasoned yeah. podcasters, just very totally. good at keeping free flowing conversation. And uh, yeah. I feel spoiled by that a little bit when I'm when I'm guesting on those type of shows. Totally, yeah. Corlin's super good. I mean, he he didn't win SAS Podcast of the Year. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he he is really solid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I did um, an interview with somebody, actually a Tuple user and pivotal person, uh, Todd Sedano, who is this kind of a huge pairing fan. And has like given some like classes on pairing and made these interesting like pair programming cards on Amazon, like considerate pair programming, like a deck of cards to like kind of like pull out and be like, okay, today let's focus on this thing or like ask ourselves this question. And Joel chatted with him and was like, this guy seems cool. You should talk to him. So I, I did a, I chatted with him and I was like, this is interesting and we should record a thing. So I did a call with him, like, like a, a video call and we just published it on the pairing guide. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. It's fun to be back in the content game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having put, put something on the on the pairing guide in a little while. Yeah, how's the pairing guide been been functioning for you guys? Like, are you measuring like it as ha. a piece ha, of the funnel? Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we we, sh- we should be. Yeah, I don't know. I have heard from people anecdotally, like, hey, by the way, like somebody shared your pairing guide and then we signed up for your tool. Just wanted you to know your content marketing is working. Like people have explicitly told yeah. me this, yeah. which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but we don't like cookie people or track things or, or any of that. It's just kind of, we just put it out there and, and hope that, you know, it's helping. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this would be a great thing for a marketing person would be like kind of the, one of the early things I expect them to do is like, hey, why don't we, why don't we instrument this better? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get this question a lot from... Like it comes up when I'm doing these these podcast recordings, for example. Um, people are like, "So what's, you know, what's working for Savvy Cal these days?" And it's such a difficult question to answer because it's like I don't know. We're 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 experimenting with a bunch of stuff. Some experiments have have seemed to not like on the surface. Like the the key metrics that we're watching for them don't seem to really show much result. But also like things are kind of trending in the right direction. So I think it's kind of just a broad mix of things right now and. I've always felt like I'm a little bit kind of grasping at trying to find high quality like data around like what was the journey that people followed in order to like from the p- time they first saw Savvy Cal to the other touch points that they had and what was the thing that tipped them over the edge and I don't know it's it's really hard to suss that out from from data at least that's what I'm finding without using like hyper aggressive tracking I guess um, mm-hmm. so 
Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah, I think we're I think we're probably a little bit laxer than we could be. Like we could go a little bit more in that direction and, and get some good results from it. But I, I would agree that I don't wanna it doesn't feel worth it to try to like really get crazy about it. Because sometimes sometimes you just won't be able to track, you know, what thing led to the, to what and it's it's fine. Like I'm okay doing like brand marketing type activities where it's like this is just like helping people have positive impressions of tuple because we did this fun, cool, funny, weird, whatever thing. Um, and I can't prove it led to more revenue, but hey, look at these inbound trials. There's a lot of them. Clearly, the sum of all of our efforts is working. And so as long as that's true, uh, it can't be too wrong. Yeah, it'll become an interesting thing when you hire like a head of growth or or like a head marketer because they will inherently want to like demonstrate like I have I'm spending my time on these things and these are the results that it's producing. I don't envy that attempting to like put a number on like the initiatives because a lot of that stuff is really hard to track um but yeah it, it is i think i guess we'd want to put some numbers on those and like get a, a bit more metrics driven there but i think i would also be okay kind of philosophically with like did we launch a really cool marketing thing six times this year that we're proud of and we think reflects well on us and is good and you know at the end of the year is the new trials per month a bit higher than it was before that seems good like I, I think I could I could live with that in that world as opposed to you know what's the exact ROI on each of these activities. I remember hearing from um, the Wistia folks that they experienced this, where you know they tried to get really really intense about the like you know the calculation and the tracking and the ROI and all the things, and they felt very constrained by it. And when they sort of explicitly said, you know what, let's let's get away from this, they felt more able to like stretch their creativity. And I think that's when they launched some of their like best things yet. Like I think that um, the one ten one hundred thing they did, right? Yeah, I remember this? that. Mm-hmm. So this is where they had um, someone make a video for them promoting a new product for a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, and a hundred thousand dollars, and showed the different results and sort of you know, did a behind the scenes thing and all that. And I think this has done like insanely well for them. Like it was super popular, won a lot of awards. And I think this was like post in that era of like, you know, can we prove this is, you know, trackable and good? And I think the freedom, I think possibly helped them find this like cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I mean, it's, it's easy to get in the box of like trying to, trying to have like, yeah, immediately ROI generating activities, but that really does constrain you on how creative you can be. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's this thing I love, this example I love of like honey badger going to RailsConf and rather than like being a normal sponsor, they rented a bus and took a bunch of people to Tasty Burger or something, some burger place that was, you know, well known. It's like, can you prove that led to more honey badger sales? Probably not, but like it was cool and hip and people talked about it. And I'm still talking about it years later. Right. Right. And like the idea of having the the freedom and the willingness to do stuff like that appeals to me a lot. Like I, I'm excited to start going to, to conferences again and maybe trying some of those shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I um, I'm trying to work with a recruiter for this sales position. Okay, yeah. It's been a couple of weeks since I've gotten an update on that front. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. first thing I changed is I was originally posted for a head of sales. I've decided to s- sort of scope that down a bit and instead have like rewritten the job ad to be for an account executive. So kind of like just like a salesperson. My thought process around that was like if I knew for sure that Tuple was going to be like a sales driven organization and I was definitely going to see we're definitely going to see expansion and heavy investment in that team 
I could see us starting with an executive because like we, we know for sure you're going to hire and hopefully as soon as possible. But I do think sales will become increasingly important because there's just a lot of opportunity there. But I also think the primary driver of Tuple is going to be like, we're, I think we're always going to be a bottom-up company. Like I think the main effort will be make a great product that spreads, like takes advantage of a sort of natural virality, market that product really well and widely. So to sort of help reinforce the word of mouth, get developers trying it and then get them, you know, pushing it up the chain or over to procurement to, to purchase the thing. So I don't see us building like an outbound sales process ever, probably. I'm less interested in running a company that has that shape. And so it felt kind of like the, the thing that we have to do today really is mostly close warm leads and plus like, you know, some success stuff and things like that. And also trying to find a head of sales who could come in, do the sales work, close the deals, build the process, then hire people, manage those people. It was just like, this is, we're looking for a real unicorn here. Um, also an expensive unicorn. And so it was like, you know what? If, if we have a very specific need today, which we do, and I'm not 100% sure that we're going to invest super heavily in that side of the business, maybe we don't start with the executive person. We start with a lower level person. And if it turns out we need more help there, we could hire another account executive. And then maybe we hire a head of sales on top of um, that at some point. But it just, I feel like it, it made sense to me to sort of drop that position a little bit. I imagine you had kind of a narrative in your head going on of like the question of, do you want to be the person who's sort of responsible for, for architecting and managing the process of like, of like building, well, it's going to start, be a team of one, but like a, a small nascent sales team, right? And so do you feel like you have gotten, have you gained like some confidence in the fact that like, yeah, I think, I think like you're equipped to basically be the one managing like an, an individual contributor level salesperson. Yeah, I actually feel pretty, pretty decent about that. Yeah. Um, as I've like taken the sales responsibilities back on, mm -hmm. um, I feel pretty solid. Like I feel like I've, I've gotten the hang of it. Like I sort of originally thought of like, we have no process. We don't know what we're doing. It's a big mess. And as I've done more of it, I'm like, that's actually not really true. I actually think our sales process is mostly fairly straightforward. I've started to enjoy it more than I thought I would. So I feel less of like, I don't want to ever think about this ever. And more like, I would like someone to handle the day to day, but I'm happy to advise. I think that's hopefully, hopefully it'll work out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's, so then what's like the level of experience that you're targeting then for this, for this person? So the ideal person has been at like worked at a B2B SaaS company as an early contributor because we do have some process in place and we do have some support uh, for this person and whatnot. It is still probably a more multifaceted position than someone who was working on a very large team at like a very established company uh, would be comfortable in. Someone who's kind of roughly done what we're doing before ideally has like kind of helped a company grow through this phase to the next one would be awesome. But so after making that change, I like continued to talk to recruiters. Actually got uh, referred to Dynamite Jobs by Rob. Old Rob Walling, as they call him. <laughs> the old sage, Rob Walling. <laughs> the aging mystic. <laughs> so I uh, actually had our kickoff call today with them. Uh, and so like, they're sort of a... They're not quite like an outbound... Um, recruiting firms so they, they're a little bit on the cheaper side because they don't go try to poach so much they're kind of more like they run good marketing campaigns 
for your like they, they get a job ad posted for you they share it around they drive traffic to it they share it in groups things like that and then they do a, a first screen of candidates for you so it's cheaper than there's i talked to some other places that are like uh, much more expensive and they, they're trying to like poach people basically like do an outreach cold outreach like through linkedin and things like that so i wanted to start here and see how that goes hopefully that will just work uh, if not i kind of have a second choice uh, more expensive direct outreach kind of place in mind that i would probably go to if it doesn't work out but i figured start here and see how it goes originally i was feeling like i gotta fill this role immediately i'm going crazy over here but like I've kind of gotten my feet under me and it's feeling more manageable and it's like yeah there's work here for somebody but it's not crazy I'm not I'm not drowning it's not nuts um so I'm feeling a little less urgency of like this is hair on fire I have to do it immediately let's hire because originally I was thinking let me hire a couple of these um just to make sure we get it done really fast and now it's like mm, this is okay it's really it's been an hour a day or something an hour or two most of the time mm-hmm do you feel like the the actual volume of like inbound sales leads has changed to the point where you feel like it's manageable or is it more a mindset thing for you? <laughs> it was mindset. I think I was yeah. kind of just like, I had just decided I didn't want to do this thing. Yeah. And so every minute I spent doing it, I was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did raise our like minimum price um, of like deals that we're like willing to consider for enterprise. And said no to some people uh like hey can you fill out this gigantic security questionnaire and i was like oh i'm really sorry but no to like smaller th- companies and things like that so i sort of pared down the workload a bit to focus on the higher higher leverage stuff and that helped too um, but yeah i think the bigger thing was just like i kind of got over it <laughs> at first i was just you know whining about it in my head and now i'm just like actually this is not so bad i don't really mind it it's not it's 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 doable yeah yeah that's good that's good and then, yeah, I guess the other thing is we scheduled a retreat, um, which is going to be very cool. I'm going to see Spencer and Joel and Mikey, which will be cool. I've never actually met Mikey in person. <laughs> Wonders of one of those quirks of remote work, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's been more than a year at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very, that's very cool. Nice. Did you come to any conclusions about whether you want to hire, like, locally versus remote for your um for your account executive so for the AE, i put um remote is okay but you're also well welcome to come work in the office mm-hmm. um so we'll see yeah cool yeah so i guess the decision is kind of i guess we kind of didn't make a decision it was more like mm-hmm. let's yeah. see what let's sort see of what open, the dice. open to what yeah open what comes through yeah yeah I, i'm conflicted like it's 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 a challenging question because like in-person is great. I like it. Like I like working with people. The flexibility of hiring remotely is so nice. Like it's just such a dramatically larger market. And so it's always going to be a, kind of a tricky fight where it's like, okay, let's decide that this role is going to be re- lo- local. Okay, we've been trying to hire for this role for two months and we can't find anybody. So <laughs> time to open up to remote. Um, I think there's always going to be this tension there. So I feel like it's it's kind of tricky. It's like if you have the, the possibility of remote, you will tend to get dragged into remote, I think. If we're doing a person, it's almost like you have to sort of say, no, this is this is it. We've decided this role or this person or this company or whatever is, is going to be in person has to be and stick to it. Kind of like what you've decided to do. Which is actually, I mean, it's quite hard to pull off, right? And already you're a you're effectively a hybrid company because one of your co-founders is even not, not co-located with you. So 
So it's sort of like you, you've already broken that, like that barrier has already been breached of like exclusively local versus a hybrid scenario. So it'll be fun to see how your team evolves and like what what kind of learnings fall out of like how to effectively do the hybrid thing well. Because I'm sure, I mean, there are challenges in like we're talking in the office. How do we get that those conversations surfaced for people who are not in the same physical room, um, which is always a big, a big thing we had to deal with. Totally. Yep, I think that's that's a challenge. And like I'm I think I'm pretty good in person at like like I think when all of us are sitting in the same room, I can handle the complexity, I guess, or like it's like it's the communication is is natural enough and easy enough that like we don't need as much process or structure. Um and then when we went effectively remote during COVID times, it was like I wouldn't say we scaled up our communication processes to quite the necessary level. And so I think our like I think our overall communication and possibly even also like just like effectiveness of like direction dropped during that time period. I'd say we very much have not figured that out. Um, and I, I could use, or I, I could do a better job of that. Mm-hmm. Having like the, the luxury of in-person, it, it lowers the amount of rigor you need in, in like the intentionality behind communication, which is, can, can, can catch you off guard for sure. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting in, um, in the, the great CEO within book, he says something like, in the early days, when everyone's in the same room, you can just, stuff will happen just by osmosis. Like you can just, information will naturally flow between people. And then if you hit, like when you hit around, I think it was like 20 people, you need a more formal, rigorous process for distributing information. Or as soon as you have a single remote employee. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like, mm-hmm. yep. It's like it, it sort of forces you right there to that. Okay. We can't rely on we sit next to each other all the information just naturally flows um so it's kind of like you're paying the organizational informational penalty early in exchange for that hiring flexibility and sort of lifestyle flexibility yep yep so yeah Mm. pros and cons yeah good stuff though good stuff to talk through Mm -hmm. so what's going on in your world yeah so speaking of teams so i just started onboarding and working with my new support rep Ooh, yeah cool is this is this person in person not in person nope okay so so yeah i've so far so far haven't uh haven't made a move on the developer hire yet which is the one that's the one i'm really eyeing for for being potentially in person we'll see potentially interesting are you already thinking maybe not the place i'm at right now is sort of the loosely held like local ideal but but i don't know if i'm willing to like die on that hill i guess like if if it if the right person surfaces that is remote like i think i would have a hard time if everything else lines up correctly i'm already a hybrid team too i mean i'm only working with people who are who are remote so far so i feel like it's not it's not an absolute deal breaker but it's i feel like i'm gonna kind of have to take it and see how this process goes um yeah yeah I've been flirting with this for a couple of months and like the decision for me was, you know, I don't, I don't technically have like so much volume that I can't handle it on my own, but it's more like the, the kind of mental burden of knowing that when I wake up in the morning, I, I better check that support inbox because there might be something <laughs> important in there and I might end up spending, you know, two hours working on support tickets first thing in the morning. And I talked it through with some, some other founders and some, some people who are still founders who are still doing support just take the approach of like, I don't check my inbox until 1 p.m. in the afternoon. 
uh, which is an interesting interesting way to go about it i think i would still have the mental burden of like there might be something in there and therefore i'm going to be slightly distracted as i'm trying to get my deep work done in the morning so that's just something it's been a constant like kind of struggle for me in in terms of like time management and focus and stuff so so i decided you know with in light of that and some some pretty exciting like upcoming growth things that are going to be kicking off this summer that i'll be able to share more details about in the coming months like that might potentially drive through a bunch of trials. I figure it's it's good to invest in this now, knowing that it's going to take take a little bit of time to get someone ramped up. So I ended up going with one of the companies that I had vetted for that basically does the kind of hiring and management of the support rep. And then it's just like kind of a sort of an agency relationship. But I get like my rep is my rep and he's full time. So it's not like there's a rotating panel of of people on their end um hmm. who'd you uh, go with so i went with xfusion xfusion.io it's run by SaaS founders who have who've kind of run SaaS apps for for many years and experienced the struggle of like hiring and managing their own support teams and basically decided to start offering this as like a productized service and yeah i i really uh, enjoyed talking to them learning about their model they hire from from a couple different specific countries and they make sure to pay like a living wage to their to their staff and because i think it's a pretty attractive job offer they have lots of people in their pipeline that they're that they're kind of running through their vetting process and and finding like good um good reps for as they get new customers and so so yeah it's um it's early but so far so far so good and it's it was fun to watch watch him send his first replies to customers in the help scout inbox that was like that was sort of a moment for me where i was like oh this is this feels really good even though even though it's gonna you know i'm i'm still like commenting on um on drafted replies and helping answer a lot of questions right now like this feels like a very good like investment of my time and an investment towards the future so nice yeah i feel like especially for a less technical product this like mm-hmm. agency outsource type model it seems like it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah they do have they even have like the ability to to train like they're, they're vetting people for kind of just your standard tier one type of support which is basically what i what i'm going for right now but there is a potential even to to have a more kind of more technical more of a customer success type of role filled by them as well and that might become more of a thing as like you know i do have a little bit of a technical element in like being able to embed links on your website it's sort of a small thing and i think I think my rep might be able to learn kind of enough to to provide a lot of support around that. But ultimately, if there might end up being more and more questions around like I'm using WordPress or I'm using whatever I need help on technical side of, of installing this on my website. So um, remains to be seen how how much like true technical support we'll need to offer in the future. But uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, are you gonna get them to swap out uh, Savvy Cal for or Calendly for Savvy Cal? Yeah, they're they're actually switching. They're gonna be switching over. They nice. need uh they need Round Robin. So um, okay, but I've gotten a verbal commitment that they that they want to switch <laughs> over. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. They have like a booking widget on their embedded on their page. So yep, yep. Yeah, gotta gotta get that uh, reciprocal customer relationship going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The best. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I I feel good about this. I've gotten I've gotten a bit of pushback from other founders about like, oh, you shouldn't, you know, this support should be a core competency of your company, and like, 
some some like aversion to this idea of like quote unquote outsourcing it. But to me, this this really feels like the best of both worlds where you know, I get a dedicated rep who's going to hopefully be with me for a very long time um, if all things go well and and his life circumstances afford that and everything. He also has proactive management from from a direct manager and then the owner of, of the company. They're kind of both like involved in the day-to-day kind of HR type of management, which kind of saves me that that time commitment. And like if in the event that like I needed to expand the team or my rep needed to move on for whatever reason, like I have some redundancy baked in because his his manager will also be trained up on the product. So they their intention is like, you know, should this happen like a year or two down the line or whatever, they'll be primarily in charge of training a new rep. Um, mm. or even yeah. My, how, did yeah. you make them any training docs or videos or anything or is it kind of happening ad hoc? It's sort of happening ad hoc and they they're actually owning the process of building out the training, the training docs like that was one of the discussion points was like, okay, we're basically starting an internal knowledge base in Help Scout that is kind of designed for their own their own knowledge repository. And I was like, do you want me to build those docs or would you like to build them? And they're like, no, we'd really like to own that if if that's okay. Like, um, <laughs> yes, that's okay. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> this mm-hmm. sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that must be a, a relief. It is. I know it for is. me, like looking at our support queue and seeing stuff come in, I'm like, oh no, Lido's got that. That's, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. That's good to me. Yeah. Feels like one of those big kind of leveling up moments for the for the business. So. Totally. I mean, especially for you as a solo founder. Like you're I mean, you're clearly your sweet spot is designing and shipping the new features which you're doing an awesome job at and this will, this will make it easier for you. So, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually I I feel pretty happy too that like you know, we we don't get a ton of support right now and so arguably like is it too early to bring on a full-time person? I don't think so because I know like there's always ramp up time and I think it's it's gives me peace of mind that like he may only have to process a a small handful of tickets each day which is a good that's like a really good volume for for a brand new rep who's just getting started and like so he's spending his time kind of getting more and more acquainted with the product reading through existing KB docs and building out internal resources and like that's plenty of work to do as you're as you're getting wrapped up for for a number of weeks so cool yeah nice yeah just don't forget to you know build stuff to reduce the support load right no i know well i'm sure i'll start to feel that too like even more viscerally when when i know like okay there's there are tickets coming through that have to get escalated to me because you know i don't have a i don't have a ui for for my support rep to be able to do that you know so i will definitely feel the pain of those um are you still sharing mrr numbers um, I'm kind of giving like broad strokes right now. So growth has been consistent. I am on my way to 20 K is what is that's the, that's the broad stroke that I'm giving. Nice. So, yes. Cool. That's great. Seems like a good time to have hire a sport person. Sounds reasonable to mm-hmm. me. Yep. Yep. Expense approved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's yes. what I needed. <laughs> Anything else going on with you? Um, yeah, so I'm, I recently shipped. Um, this was a this was a fun little fun little story. I recently shipped um, the ability for someone to delete their own account, which I just hadn't had in the UI up until now. So if someone wanted to like fully delete, they would have to like. They usually always searched the KB. I would see like a, a KB search for delete my account, and then no results, and then they would email be like, please delete my account. Mm. Um, what are, they, are you using Help Scout for that? The I am. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So I have like a little help button in the sidebar. When you click that, it opens the widget in the UI. So I finally was like, okay, I finally added this in part because like this is one of those things. It's one of the things that would be an escalation if um, if my rep got it. So I was like, okay, I want to get that out of the way. And also like there's the way I was the way I've been deleting accounts has been like effective, but not fully rigorous. Like there are certain like you need to make sure to remove them from teams where they were where they were a member and like disable all the right things in all the right places. And so I was like, all right, it's time to it's time to officially do that. And so I did, and it's um and I, you know, built a basically a a button in the settings, you click it, and then it opens a modal and it's like, by the way, this is a permanent this is a permanent operation. This is irreversible because we do a bunch of we kind of destroy some records and like it's not easy to reverse. I knew this would happen within a couple hours. <laughs> Someone emailed support and was like, hey, so uh, I accidentally deleted the wrong account. Can you restore it for me? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> Why? So I don't know. Maybe I'll go in and add that thing where you have to like type the word delete or something. Or Well, uh, yeah, or have them type the email address of the account they're deleting yeah, or something. Yeah. Because that is good. actually right. That is actually a um, a thing that happens from time to time that I I could probably build some additional helpers to help mitigate this but people will often like just click pick the wrong google account to log in because a lot of us have multiples and then they spin up a new account on accident and they want to delete it and so totally understandable i'm not trying to flame a customer here i'm just saying like it was like within a couple hours of shipping this someone like stumbled over a thing that i've been dreading like you know when i build this officially people are going to have issues like <laughs> deleting the wrong accounts <laughs> yeah and I'm currently working on this feature that I'm pretty excited about. Um, it's kind of been hinted at in multiple various ways, and I think this is going to solve solve kind of a big key problem for a lot of people. And that's basically delegating account access, allowing someone like an assistant to operate their account on their behalf. Because that's that's the thing that a lot of people have some kind of help from from an executive assistant or a virtual assistant or whatever, um, and. But like it kind of gets weird if you're like sharing your Google login with someone so that they can log in under your SavvyCal account. And like that's just kind of a suboptimal way to, to do things from a security standpoint and just a usability standpoint. So we're going to be baking in basically delegated account access so you can allow someone to, to uh, run your account for you. And nice. it's going to be pretty good. Seems like you're, you're on a great shipping cadence. <sighs> yeah, I'm trying. I, I think um, one other question that I've mini topic that i wanted to bring up was like how many parallel projects should i have going on at once and i don't know if you if like you think about like how many open threads of work you have going and like try to keep it to some kind of minimum or or if it's just sort of like go by feel but do you have any frameworks for thinking about this not really are you asking as a company or as a person mainly as a person yeah yeah I have a, a post-it note in my bathroom hung up on my mirror, which is like what my top goal is right now. It's like right now it's like hire an account executive. And so I'm trying to make sure that like that keeps getting pushed forward every day and then kind of letting the other stuff fill in alongside it. But I don't have like a rigorous way of you know thinking about that. Yeah. Really. yeah. Sometimes things get, get to a blocking point or like I'll discover like, oh, this this project will be better served by doing some preliminary work that will actually, you know, basically be the completion of a separate feature. So like, okay, I'll start working on that feature and set this one aside. And I kind of have a number of open threads like that right now, which I feel somewhat comfortable with because I feel like I, I'm driving towards 
this goal like right still my overarching goal is driving towards more team functionality but like the the infrastructure for doing delegated account access is is intricately related to some of the teaming functionality and like being able to swap out organizers on links and like the data modeling stuff involved with this is is all interconnected and so i kind of keep spinning off like related but separate tasks that are that are setting me up to to have like all of the teaming functionality that i want to get to in the next in the next month or two but i feel it's like feels slightly disorganized like am i am i getting off track am i losing focus but but also like i feel like along the way as i'm building the underlying stuff for the for the team functionality it's kind of nice that like these nice little features are popping out from that process too so yeah no i like that we've been kind of heading in that direction where it's like we're doing work like doing the work to make it so that all participants in a call are equal um, is preparatory work for having more people on a call and like pushing stuff down into like the C++ layer is good for getting us ready for other platforms, things like that. So like, I, I mean, I, I love when you can kind of double dip where it's like along the way you're releasing features that are the benefits of the sort of refactoring or changes you're doing that are setting you up for the next thing. That seems ideal if you can pull it off. Yeah. 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 You're doing fine. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Overall, feeling like it's it's managed chaos right now. Like I'm I'm trying to get comfortable with with uh, as I've mentioned in the past few weeks, like making um, important decisions with limited information and recognizing the limits of my own productivity and being okay with that. And like I feel like I'm in a pretty good headspace overall on on that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just struck by like this. It's working. Like you're you. You had a couple of things that didn't work out and now this one's working and that's just, that's awesome. Yeah, feels good. I'm, I'm stoked for you. Thank Seems you. like you're, you're probably on escape velocity at this point. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's killer. Yeah. All right, well, should we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. Notes of the show? Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks. So you remember those post lubes we used to do? They used to be extremely popular for some reason. <laughs> Weirdly so. Yeah, I don't know why people like them so much. I guess because yeah. mentally we'd shift into like, we're not on a podcast anymore mm-hmm. mode. Yeah. And it was just like what we actually do when we talk after the call. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I want to do, do another one of those. Actually, I have some notes for some like kind of zanier or like just like more off the wall mm-hmm. things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to run to another thing right now. Okay. <laughs> so I think we should do one uh, next week. Well, call this like teeing up for potential future postludes. Postlude teaser. Yeah, exactly. In your in your podcatcher soon. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned, people. Yes, indeed. Do that. <laughs> All right. See ya.